0: Hear the word of God from Philippians, chapter 2, verses 1 through 11. Therefore, if there is any encouragement in Christ, any comfort in love, any sharing in the spirit, any sympathy, complete my joy by thinking the same way, having the same love, being united, and agreeing with each other. Don't do anything for selfish purposes, but with humility, think of others as better than yourselves. Instead of each person watching out for their own good, watch out for what is better for others. Adopt the attitude that was in Christ Jesus. Though he was in the form of God, he did not consider being equal with God something to exploit, but he emptied himself by taking the form of a slave and by becoming like human beings when he found himself in the form of a human he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death even death on a cross therefore god highly honored him and gave him a name above all names so that at the at the name of jesus everyone in heaven on earth and under the earth might bow And every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God.
1: Thank you, Lisa. And in addition, I'd like to read this text from John, chapter 14, verses 15 to 17. This is Jesus speaking to his disciples. If you love me, you will keep my commandments. I will ask the Father, and he will send another companion who will be with you forever. This companion is the Spirit of truth, whom the world can't receive because it neither sees him nor recognizes him. You know him because he lives with you and will be with you. And again, this is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. So by the time we get to... This section on the Holy Spirit in the Apostles' Creed, we might well remind ourselves that we are talking about the Trinity. Because these first two persons of the Trinity, which have been the subject of these first two Sundays in our worship series, they get a lot of attention and a lot of words. Two weeks ago, we talked about the first line God the Father, I believe in God the Father, Almighty maker of heaven and earth, real majestic language. And then when we get to Jesus Christ, lots of words. The Apostles' Creed devotes 71 words to Jesus. It's a grand, sweeping, comprehensive set of statements to remind us of the full divinity and the full humanity of Jesus. But by the time we get to the Holy Spirit, six words... That's all the Apostles' Creed gives to the Holy Spirit. Just the bare minimum, I believe in the Holy Spirit. That's it. It does make you wonder why the Holy Spirit doesn't get as much press as the first two persons of the Trinity. We might understand why the father and the son get so much attention. After all, those two words, father and son, they kind of belong together. They kind of need attention to make sense. I have a friend named Jason Biasi who writes about this. He said, the terms father and son suggest one another. They are relational terms, even when used to describe us. You can't be a father without a child, at least in biological terms. And there can be no son without a father. Yet neither of these two human terms, father or son, implies the presence of a third person or a Holy Spirit. Or do they? Think about the words of St. Augustine, one of the greatest early church thinkers in church history. He said, when you see love... You see a trinity. There is a lover. There is the beloved. And then there's the love that they share. That love between them is sort of a third thing, he said. It's its own reality, in a sense. I think you and I know this intuitively. Think about a significant person that you love in your life, or if you've ever had a significant other in your life, you know that on the one hand there is you, yourself, There's the person that you love dearly, and then there's that that love that you have, that relationship that you tend to, that you nurture, that you nourish, that you encourage, that kind of feels like its own thing that is keeping the two of you together. That, That may be what the Holy Spirit is. As relatively insignificant as the Holy Spirit might appear in the Apostles' Creed, it is just as important to our praise and understanding of God as either of those other two persons of the Trinity. Here's another interesting thing to me. If you take a look at the John text that I just read for you, there's a particular word that Jesus uses to describe the Holy Spirit that John is the only one to use in the entire Bible. The Greek word there is paraclete. Now, here in the Common English Bible, that word was translated as companion. That's the way Jesus described the Holy Spirit, as paraclete, companion or advocate or assistant or comforter. Depending on your translation, it could be any one of those words that's used to describe paraclete. What's interesting is in the Greek world, that word paraclete has legal connotations. It has kind of a a legal courtroom kind of paradigm. It could also be translated, in other words, as attorney or lawyer. What's the nervous laughter about there? (laughs) I know there's some attorneys in this room. I don't think they're laughing. How many of you ever had an attorney? I'm not going to ask for a show of hands here. (laughs) If you have ever had an attorney, you know that their role is to come alongside you, to accompany you, to guide you, To help you negotiate the imposing, formidable, even scary complexities of the legal system. You need help approaching the judge, of making your case, of seeking justice, of defending yourself. In fact, the moment you move from being just a a mere spectator in the courtroom to being a full participant in the judicial system, that's the moment in legal terms that you cross the bar, right? I had to learn all this this past week. I have no idea about this stuff. That's where the word bar comes from. It is that delineation that distinguishes you just being an observer of the complexities and nuances of the legal system to being a full participant in that formidable, that formidable system. That is exactly the way it is with God. You and I are just finite, limited Natural human beings, we are frail in our understanding, and the moment we try to experience the fullness, the complexity, the formidable nature of the mysteries of God, that's impossible. We can't cross the bar on our own to understand and experience the fullness of who God is. It would be like trying to cross the bar in a courtroom and trying to defend ourselves and understand the complexities of the legal system. So we need the Holy Spirit. Think about it this way. When's the last time any of you ever seen a burning bush? (laughs) No hands? No no experience of God in a burning bush like Moses did in the book of Exodus? When's the last time any of you experienced God as as a cloud by day or a pillar of fire by night like the Israelites we're led through the wilderness by that presence of God? Or how many of you have ever experienced the audible voice of God, that you could hear the voice of God as clearly as you could hear mine, just like Abraham heard it, or Noah, or Elijah, or Jonah? We don't. That's because we don't, we don't live in Old Testament times anymore to experience God the Father that way And by the way, we don't live in gospel times either. We don't experience God the Son the way those fortunate people did for 33 years in first century Palestine. We don't experience God rendered to us in human flesh, in flesh and bone, in Jesus, in tangible, real, evident terms. So when it comes to understanding God the Father and God the Son in Jesus Christ, it's like crossing the bar if we ever want to be more than just spectators of God and try to participate fully in the life of God, we need help. We need a paraclete. That's why when John could have chosen any of a number of words to describe the Holy Spirit, he could have chosen other words in the Bible like wind or breath or even the Greek word for spirit. In this text in John's gospel, John chose the word paraclete. He's the only one to use it. He uses it five times between his gospels and in his epistle. He chooses that word to describe that accompaniment that guides us across the bar. And what it reminds us of is that this spirit is the one that helps you approach the bench that helps you know everything you need to know about God and about the Bible and about the Christian faith. Think about this. Think about those profound moments when you have experienced God in a deep way. Maybe for some of you, it was a moment when you experienced God in nature. When you were out in creation and your breath was taken by the majesty and awe of God all around you. That... That moment was the power of the paraclete. That was the moment when the Holy Spirit helped you understand and experience God fully. Maybe for some of you, it was a moment when you read a scripture and experienced a profound truth for the first time ever. Or maybe you were in a small group and you extracted some truth that transformed your life. Or maybe, unlikely as it is, maybe it was a sermon that you heard when you extracted some nugget of insight that totally allowed you to see God and yourself in a new way, that was the power of the paraclete. That was the Holy Spirit at work in and through you. Maybe for some of you, you experienced God in the simple joys of being with friends. Or maybe it was a moment when you realized that as you moved through the long, gradual stages of grief in the wake of a loss of a loved one, you experienced peace and comfort in some profound way. That was the power of the paraclete in your life, crossing the bar to experience God fully. That is the work of the Holy Spirit. We may not live in Old Testament times anymore. We may not live in gospel times to experience God the Father or God the Son in the way those people did. But thank God, literally, for the Holy Spirit, because through the Spirit we can experience God. The Holy Spirit is our advocate, it is our companion, it is our comforter. But you know what? If you look carefully at the New Testament, you discover that the Holy Spirit does a whole lot more than just comfort us. The Holy Spirit also challenges us. Both of those things are necessary. The Holy Spirit also works to push us beyond our comfort zones, to reach out to people who are different from us, to do things and to think things that are beyond our normal patterns of behavior, to give of ourselves more fully than we are comfortable to expand our thinking about God and our vision of God's love. Over and over and over again throughout the New Testament, this is what the Spirit does. The Holy Spirit even pushed Jesus beyond his comfort zone. The first thing we, One of the first things we hear about in the story of Jesus is that after he was baptized, the Spirit pushed him, drove him into the wilderness to experience temptation to put his human limitations to the test as he was tempted by the devil. Later on in the New Testament, we hear about Peter, one of the early followers of Jesus, who was used to just talking to the Jews about God's love. But in a profound moment in the book of Acts, the Holy Spirit gave Peter a vision to expand his vision of God's love and stretch the hospitality of the good news to people beyond the Jews, even to the Gentiles and even to the furthest reaches of the world. The Holy Spirit pushed Peter. And if you take a look at all of Paul's letters, those letters that he wrote to the churches that we call the epistles, time and time again, Paul is bearing witness to the Holy Spirit which pushes all of us pushes us away from our worldly desires and our sinful ways of life and pushes us toward a different kind of life, a life that's marked by what Paul calls the fruit of the Spirit, love and joy and peace and patience. The Spirit over and over and over again not only comforts us in our times of need, but also challenges us to think and do differently. Well, since today is Father's Day, I thought I'd share with you one of my more poignant memories of my own father. Uh, To this day, my father has a way of giving me the advice that I need and um, also giving me advice that I didn't know that I needed. In other words, he's been both a comforter and a challenger throughout my life. Uh, One day when I was in elementary school, probably just uh, nine or ten years old, I had a really bad day in school. And to this day I I cannot remember exactly what had happened at school that had brought me home sobbing uh, in tears. Uh, it could have been uh, something that someone told me or that someone something someone did to me at school. Could have been a bad grade, could have been a bad run-in with a teacher. That could have been something embarrassing that I had done. that That's probably what it was, now that I think about it. What I do remember is sitting at our family dining room table with my shoulders slumped and just sobbing, heaving breaths between the tears. My dad sat in the chair next to me, just taking in my full recount of everything i'd experienced earlier in the day and i'll never forget what he said to me this was his attempt at encouragement mcgray he said to me with a calm voice you'll have worse days than this this won't be the worst day you'll ever have. And I remember thinking to myself at that moment, that is the worst piece of encouragement I have ever heard, Dad. But you know what? He was right. I will admit it now, he was absolutely right. In fact, if, if I could... If I were able to speak to 10 year old McGray right now, I would say to him, McGray, not only will you make it through that particular tough time, you'll be able to make it through even tougher times than that as you grow older. Dad was right. Sometimes the best words of comfort are also words of challenge, right? Not just words that say, you're going to be all right, but words that also say, it's time to grow up. It's, it's time to move on. It's time to get going on to the next challenge because there will be tougher challenges than these. And it's time for you to push beyond yourself. To believe in the Holy Spirit. To say those words in the Apostles' Creed means to receive both the comforting and challenging words from God. So my question for you this morning is, are you hearing both? Or are you hearing more of one and and not the other? It's possible that some of us here are only hearing the words of comfort from God and missing out on the ways that God is calling you and pushing you to grow and mature and push you into acts of mercy and compassion and healing and reconciliation and justice for all people. But on the other hand, to hear only words of challenge is to forget that you are not alone, that God is with you. And no matter what kind of insurmountable challenges you might think you are facing, God is with you to comfort you and to give you strength and power every step of the way. Because when the Spirit works, when the Holy Spirit works, you know it. You can feel it, you can see it, and you can have evidence of God all around you. Which brings me back, finally, uh, to the place where we started. You, You know that Apostles' Creed? That Apostles' Creed which apparently only gives six words to our belief in the Holy Spirit? If you look carefully at the way the creed is laid out, that phrase, I believe in the Holy Spirit, does not stand alone on its own fact. It's the introductory sentence to the last section of the creed. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body and the life everlasting. All of that happens because of the Holy Spirit. That is the work of the Holy Spirit to comfort us and to challenge us us, and to draw us into a community that is bigger than anything we will ever experience, into a community of God's faithful love. That is the Holy Spirit at work in you, through you, and all around you. And so as we've been doing at the conclusion of each of these sermons during this We Believe series, we will conclude as our prayer the affirmation of our faith using the words of this great creed of our history. And this time, as I invite you to follow along, stand in the words and recite the words on the screen, I invite you to pay particular particular attention to this last section of the creed that begins with, I believe in the Holy Spirit and affirms all of the evidence of God's comforting and challenging work in your life and around the world. Let's stand together for our closing prayer and affirm our faith together. Church, what is it that you believe? I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Please be seated.